What's going on, everybody? It's Cooper and James, and we are from the back pins. The PBR team series is in full force. But before we get into that, there's some sad news over the weekend. A PBR PRCA bull rider passed away over the weekend, Alancy Mitchell, cousin of Ezekiel Mitchell. I didn't know Alancy too well, know Zeke a little better, but I know those two are really close. So I would just like to say, let's keep our thoughts and prayers. With the Mitchell family, as they're going through a tough time, James, I know you feel the same, but sad deal really is, James. What's your... Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've never been around Zeke or Ouncey that I'm, that I'm aware of, unless it was really, really early in either one of their careers before they made it on tour. But at such a young age, with such a promising career, he went to the PRCA, and I think at the time of his passing, he was second for rookie of the year and if he would have been able to compete the rest of this month he may or may not have made the national finals but he was sitting 24th so i mean the guy's talented and bless everybody that's uh filling the void of his absence and uh, we'll just keep praying for him and the entire mitchell family or anybody else that knew him and loved him yeah, that's a guy that's gone too soon. Condolences out to the entire family there. But let's move on to what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about Cowboy Days. It's pretty good bull riding. I did get a chance to watch pretty much all of it. And the home team didn't disappoint. They might have not won first, but it's a pretty good weekend of bull riding, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll quit messing around. Let's get right into it. Let's grab them slides, boys, because we're coming at you from the back pins. Kick things off. Let's just get right into Cowboy Days, James. The Oklahoma Freedom go 3-0. and They rode 6-15, of take the event title home. They barely edged out Carolina, and Carolina would have been the first team to win their homestand. James, what did you think of the Freedom's performance over the weekend? They were, they were spot on, about as good as they could be, you know, without Law being as rusty as he is right now because he just hasn't been on uh, as many he's not completely up to game speed yet i guess is what i'm trying to get at when that happens though look out and the other day he was 90 some points on big black and i believe that was in carolina so you know look out the guy's gonna get the rest knocked off and the rest of the team looked good uh they had one game where they only needed one score, and Briggs Matson stepped up, and I I thought they should be using this kid more. That there's no better momentum than to win one right before you head home. So, can they be the first team to win in their home playing field or arena? I guess I should say. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Briggs Matson because he had a good weekend. There's no way around it. Briggs Matson's getting the job done right now. They do have a lot of momentum going into their home homestand event, Freedom Fest, and we haven't seen it yet, but it's it's going to happen at some point. One of these home teams is going to win their home event. Why not be the first one if you're Oklahoma? I guarantee that's where their thought process is. Good to see the Freedom having a good weekend. The home team down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, the Carolina Cowboys, had a really good weekend, actually, and they rode the most bulls out of anybody, but... Sunday afternoon was the only reason they didn't win this event. The Nashville Stampede squeaked one out from them. 
It came down to the last bull. Dalen Swearingen did his job, just wasn't enough points in the end. But the story of, of the Carolina Cowboys weekend, to me, Cooper Davis comes back, goes three for three, and this is what I expected from this guy. The 2016 PBR world champion shows up, shows out, and now you're not just getting a veteran presence, a coaching presence from him. You're getting results in the arena, and when you look at their lineup right now, they might have the best one in the league. I think so, and I think that's what Nashville needed. They've been struggling so much, but they've had so much success against teams that are at the top of the standings because they're at the bottom, so they're looking at themselves as an underdog every time, and every time they played Carolina so far this year, they put up huge numbers and, and you know, lost or whatever, so to lose one in your home uh, field to them and then or arena rather and uh, then come back and get revenge like that it's got to feel good if you're if you're Nashville and moving forward to know I seen something in Nashville in that last game I wouldn't doubt it if they flipped the switch and they go on a, on on a win streak for a few few games I'm gonna be honest with you I don't buy into that stuff as far as I've heard them bring that up on the broadcast too that Every time Nashville's played Carolina, they ride a lot of bulls. There's a lot of things that go into that. That could just be a case of them drawing bulls well. What I guess what I'm saying is I think it's more coincidental than a theme or a narrative. But yeah, Nashville did did their jobs against Carolina. That was their lone win on the weekend. And it prevented Carolina from walking away probably with the victory at their home event. So shout out to the Stampede. But I'll tell you what, the way it looks right now, Carolina's the team to beat. I don't care what anyone says, the way they're riding right now, the lineup they put out there, they are going to be a tough out for anybody in this league. Moving on to the next thing I've written down, the Arizona Ridge Riders struggled a little bit. They didn't finish in last, but they went one and two on the weekend, rode five of 15. I just think is a little bit of bad luck. I'm not panicking on this team. They're still going to be a tough out week in, week out. James, what did you think of the Ridge Riders going one and two? I'm a little surprised by that just because of the momentum factor in bull riding. But sooner or later, you know, even George Paul fell off a few, you know, based on the history and all that. He's the one man that rode more bulls than anybody else in the world. Doesn't matter the air. But anyway, yeah, they were a little bit disappointing or not to me disappointing, but I mean, it's surprising, I guess, that. They they didn't finish higher because we're so used to seeing them, and they they actually got blanked in one game, and that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, you're right. They don't get blanked a whole lot, and I, like I said, I'm not panicked on this team. They're going to be just fine, but let's move down to the third-place team because this team continues to prove me wrong. I doubt them every week, and they just show up, get the job done. Kansas City Outlaws finishing third. They go 2-1. and one. They get 6 of 15 road. I think it just shows you you can't make up for grit and try because this team's full of it. They've got it in spades. And right now, they're showing that effort outweighs talent when that talent doesn't put forth the same kind of effort. James, what's your take on this the Outlaws team and their third-place finish in Carolina? They're the walking wounded, but that's just the way JW was throughout at least the last probably – five to ten years of his career anyway he was walking wounded nearly every time so you know they're they're gritty they're tough and you can't help but root for them 
And in fourth place as well, I'm a little surprised by this team. The Texas Rattlers, they rode 6-15, and that's their season best finish. This is the highest they've placed at an event through six. The Rattlers didn't have a bad weekend, James. What's your take on the Texas Rattlers right now? Flip a coin, because, you know, if we could see the same production out of them we did this past weekend or even a little better, can they carry momentum? Is there such a thing for the Texas Rattlers being in seventh or eighth place down towards the bottom, wherever they're at? Is there such thing as momentum? Will they be able to feed off of that? And the biggest surprise to me is the one guy that stands out the most to me that they, they've been using in the bonus rounds and stuff. Edgenake and Meanhaus has still been getting it done. I mean, even at 47 years old, that's just incredible. I don't care what you put him on. Edna has really surprised me. Like you said, at 47, I've seen guys ride bulls at 47, but I don't think I've ever seen in recent memory a guy ride bulls at the level he's at, at the age he's at. It's incredible that at 47, he's able to ride the world's best bulls. In the bonus round, he goes 88 points on Shake and Bake, a bull that came from former guest on the show, Ty Ronaldo. He's on a different truck now, but Edna's just getting it done. That's all there is to it. He's really been the shining star of that team outside of Cody Jesus. And unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I still think they should trade him. I still think they should. I know he's been doing good, but they could get something for him on a team that really is trying to win right now. Some people are going to scoff at that, but that's where I'm at with it. I am not going to waver from that opinion. But let's move into the updated standings, James. There's three teams at 10 and 6. The tiebreaker of bonus points is going to the Carolina Cowboys. They're the number one team in the league. They're riding 40% of their bulls. I know we're not shocked where they're at. The Austin Gamblers are also at 10 and 6. 36 and a half bonus points. They're riding 35% of them. And rounding out the top three, the Arizona Ridge Riders at 10 and 6 as well. Only 19 bonus points. So that's that's a big thing when you're talking seedings. The bonus points really don't matter other than tiebreakers in these standings. James, what would you like to see Arizona do to fix that in the bonus rounds? Because at six events, you've scored 19. That's not a real high percentage. You're only averaging roughly three bonus points per event. They have, still have the highest riding percentage in the league, but what would you like to see them do in bonus rounds to increase that performance, get more of those so they're not getting a lower seed come Vegas time. You know, if they're they're typically probably towards the top of the draft, so they're going to pick one or two or three, usually probably no worse than third most of the time. Now, this weekend was a little different. They they struggled a little bit this weekend, but being that high in the draft and having a guy like Luciano DeCastro and, and Alisson DeSosa and a bunch of those other type of guys like that, and knowing how important the bonus round is just for seeding, and now we're heading into week seven, you've got to uh, do a much better job of matching your guys up, I think, coming in that high. Now, if you were at the bottom, you don't have a choice. You just take whatever's left. But I think from that perspective that they could do a little bit better job of picking uh, bulls for their guys or a team in general could come together and not just be a coach's decision and say, well, this bull fits you the best or ask the guys around you, does this bull fit you the best? Who do you think it'll fit? Try something different. Put somebody else on that you haven't before 
because sometimes guys that don't get those opportunities, they shine when they do get those opportunities, like at Jay Caminos, for instance. They don't use him very much during games. They use him primarily for the bonus round. They have used him in some games, don't get me wrong, but they, they kind of pick and choose where they use him, which brings up a question, Coop. In your mind, looking forward in the ne- next season or season to come after that, can you see teams saying, all right, we got five riders that we can use on our rosters, and we've got seven that we can take with us every weekend. Um, whoever we put on the bonus round bull will not get on during during the regular event, so they're more fresh. Can you see some teams doing that, sort of like the Rattlers seem to be doing a lot with Edgene? I know that probably has more to do with his age and and just wear and tear, but what are your thoughts on that? I don't think you're going to get a guy who is basically exclusively a bonus round rider, but here's what I think is I think teams are thinking twice about putting their big guns out there. You know, you don't see Dalen getting on a ton of bonus bulls. J.W. Hart's a little different. He will throw them suckers out there, and he'll say you're going to get on. But we saw it with Kaike in the bonus round on Sunday. Those bulls are the supposedly the rankest bulls at the event. And me and you both know the ranker the bull, the more chance when stuff goes wrong, it goes really wrong. And I think a lot of it comes down they're trying to save their their top end guys because like I said, you know, unless you're in a, a big group of a tie, like a three or four way tie, which does happen a lot at these events. There's usually a lot of teams sitting at one and two or two and one. So those bonus rounds are going to determine where you finish. There's more money up for grabs, the higher you finish, et cetera. But I think it comes down to keeping guys fresh and not wanting to get your big guns hurt. You know, Kaike took a pretty big shot. I haven't heard if he's going to be banged up, soared up, injured. You know, those are all different things. But when you look at the bull power they're throwing at him, I think I'd rather have my guy healthy for the regular events, the games, than that bonus round. That's just where I'm at with it. I don't think you're ever going to see an exclusive bonus round rider. They're always going to use them periodically in games, even if that's their main role on the team. That's where yeah. I'm at with it. And I tend to agree with you, Coop. I just wanted to take to, to have your feedback on that because, you know, it did look kind of dumb, you know, where, um, you know, if you're in a three-way tie for first, of course you're going to put one of your main roster guys out there. But if you're if you've already won the event, Take one of your guys off the bench and that doesn't get much of an opportunity and let your guys rest and let them go out there and show and prove that they deserve to even be on your second string or, or practice squad or whatever you want to call it. And we've definitely seen teams do that. No doubt about it. The Thunder have done that with Cal Miller in the past. JW is not afraid to do it if he thinks Dalton's a little banged up, but I do think you're onto something there. I think a lot of it just comes down to if they really need that ride or if it's not that crucial. I think that does play a big factor of who they're putting out there in the bonus rounds for sure. But let's just touch briefly a couple things I've noticed in the MVP standings right now. The Carolina Cowboys have two of the top three. They've got Dalen at number two, and he has gained a lot of ground on Jose. He's only 12 and a half points behind. So that race got tight real quick just from Jose sitting out at an event or two. And Mason Taylor, 
He's in third. He's 214 points behind, but Mason Taylor's riding really well right now. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he wrote, he went four for four this weekend. I could be mistaken, but um, I believe he did go four for four. Yeah, let him roll. He's just going to keep climbing up them MVP standings if Allison and the guys behind him or the guys in front of him stub, stub their toe in any way. I am a little bit surprised, honestly, if we're talking about the MVP race. It is still early, and Joe Say is going to come back and whatever, but if you're Carolina and you got a guy that's only needing one ride, why not put him on in the bonus round and build momentum for the MVP race? Because when Joe Say comes back, we know what's going to happen when Joe Say comes back. So any chance you could take that over and build, build off of it until he does come back, the more of a chance a guy's got to win it from another team. No, I, I hear what you're saying there, but at the end of the day, we don't know if a guy's a little sore. Maybe he's just done for the weekend. He's checked out. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that. I do see what you're saying, but there's a lot of factors to the go into that decision that we just don't know. That's only those guys on that team know, and that's about it. And that's probably how it's going to be forever. But yeah, I do see where you're coming from. If Dalen gets a 2-3 bull lead on Jose, it makes it that much harder for him to come back when he does return to the arena for sure. Another guy I want to bring up with this MVP race, Marcus Mass took took some leaps up this week in the standings. He's sitting in fifth. He's 377 and three quarters points behind Jose. I don't think Marcus has a, a real solid chance to win that MVP trophy or award. More of why I want to bring him up is this guy has done nothing but impress me this entire time. He goes out there, and I know we ta- we've we talked about it on a lot of the episodes, but I just can't get over the fact how much Marcus Mass has grown. He's dropped 25 pounds, and he has turned into a consistent bull rider that's getting the job done for the outlaws more than he's not. And I'll agree with that, and that brings up another point, uh, Coop, that I think for the whole reason this team deal was even invented other than just for a different format is to allow these guys to get some coaching and some some help and to not necessarily have to ask for it. How much can you see Marcus Mass maybe being in the top 15, top 10 uh, 2020, at the end of 2023 UTV series? just based off of the confidence and the stuff that he's learned from JW. Now we're not, we're not counting injuries, injuries and things like that. All obviously can take you out of that, but just his mind frame and the way he's riding right now, uh, how much do you think just being on a team and, and all that plays a factor into it? And will it carry over to the UTVs? I think it carries over for sure, but to the extent of him turning into a top 10 bull rider year in, year out, I'm going to tend to probably say that's a long shot based on the the fact that in this team series, like these coaches are going to match a guy up to a bull. They think that fits him in most cases. There's times where that's not going to happen, but a lot of times that's the objective. So I'm not surprised when you look at some of these guys' riding percentages because of that fact. When they go to the individual season, they're not getting handpicked bulls. It's a draw most of the time until the championship round. He's going to have to ride different types of bulls. He has shown he can do that in this team series. 
at a consistent level to finish in the top 15. I'm not ready to say that, but I do think Marcus Mast has shown me he's a consistent top 35 guy year in, year out. I don't think we see the Marcus Mast that gets on tour for six weeks, then goes back down to the velocity tour. I think that guy's over with. I think that guy's in the past. I don't know if I'm ready to call him a top 15 guy yet, though. But let's take a break and talk about Rank Ride Fantasy for a second. If you enjoy what the PBR Team Series did, and especially the draft aspect of that, check out Rank Ride Fantasy. They let you put your general manager cap on, and you get to make those decisions that a general manager does week in, week out. I played the entire 2022 season, and it was a great time. It's a really good way to engage yourself with the bull riding that's happening. When you have something to cheer for or against, it really makes it more exciting to watch, especially when you pick a guy that goes 90-plus points. There's not a better feeling in the world, and it's a really good opportunity to give you and your buddies the opportunity to give each other a hard time, compete against each other. Let's get some bragging rights going. I'm better than you are. I know more than you do. Now you can put it to the test, and bragging rights are always good when you're talking, interacting with your best of friends. It's a really great time. I can promise you, you won't be disappointed. So check out Rank Ride Fantasy at www.rankridefantasy.com. And I will link their social medias in the description below. And also, I will list them at the end of this podcast. But let's get back to it. But next, James, let's move into a little fun exercise I've got prepared here. So we're going to list each team. I'm going to tell you what the top individual riding percentage is on that team with a minimum of five outs. Because there are a few guys that have been like one for two or whatever. And I'm not going to count that. They've got to have at least five outs. And you got to guess who that rider is or riders. A couple of these are tied. So you ready to roll or what? Oh, yeah. Let's roll with it. All right. First up, Carolina Cowboys. Their top riders riding 66.67% of his bulls. Who is it? I want to say Dalen, but the way Mason's been riding lately, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Mason. That's correct. It is Dalen. Dalen's riding at a pretty high clip right now, and quite honestly, they got a lot of guys that are riding a lot of bulls. So maybe not as easy as it seems is what I would say, but you got that one right. The Austin Gamblers at 70.6% of their bulls. James, I think this one's pretty easy. That's the easiest one you <laughs> That's going to be the highest one in the league, probably, and that's Jose Vitor Lemme. That's correct. Arizona Ridge Riders at 60%. Alessandro Sosa. This one surprised me, too. I thought for sure it was him or Luciano. Eduardo Aparecidos rode 6 of 10. Wow. Then why are they for? <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that. Like, I know he's gotten bulls rode, but I didn't realize he was riding that many of them. He's he's always been fast, steady, real quiet like that and under the radar. And so that's, I can see why they should say that now. Wow, I would never guess that. No offense to him or his family or anything. The Missouri Thunder. Now these are two, this is two guys. There's two guys that are tied at 50%. Who are the two riders? I want to say Col- Colton Fricklin's one of them just because he, he's closed a lot of games out. And, and ridden really well. And as far as the second one, I'm just going to throw a name out there because I really don't know who the second one is. But just a guy that's been getting it done pretty consistently. Uh, 
not consistent enough. Uh, Cody Teal, definitely not at 50%. I honestly don't know outside of maybe Colton Fritzland, and I'm going to feel stupid after I hear the name, I'm sure. Well, actually, Colton Fritzland's not one of the two. He's really, only, he's really only riding 29% of his bulls. Wow, that surprised me. It's, I'm just going to be real. I thought the first two picks for the Thunder were really good, and Sellers and Fritzland, and quite honestly, neither one of them's really been what we thought they could be. The two guys that are riding 50% for the Missouri Thunder, Adriano Salgado and Andrew Alvidrez. Yeah, and that Andrew would have been my third guess. So moving on to the Oklahoma Freedom. At 45.5%, James, who do you think it is? Kobaba or Vassfinder? Incorrect again. It's the new, new hot young guy, Briggs uh-huh. Madsen. Yeah, and last week I just got through saying I don't know why they don't use him as much more. And now, now we can see why. Casey Roberts could have also been put into that category if you don't have the numbers in front of you. Pretty much anybody on that team, other than the exception of Outlaw, I mean, they've had quite a bit of production. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't really surprise me, but it does because you expect so much of Eli Vassfinder and Derek Kobaba and, and, and those, they're core three, basically. And from, what I remember when I looked this up, the Freedom probably had the most parity. Like they had like two or three different guys that were really close within five percentage points of each other. So you're you're not I'm not gonna blame you for getting that one wrong. They were that's a tough one to call. Kansas City Outlaws, though, James, forty seven percent. Who's the rider? Marcus Mast. That's correct. Spot on. Marcus Mast has been their best guy so far. I'm not discounting Oliver or Dalton Castle, but you cannot argue with the results of Marcus Mast at this point in time. No, not at all. Moving on to the Texas Rattlers, and this one is a little bit tricky in my opinion too, but their top riders riding 43.75% of his bulls. Who is it, James? I want to say either Edgene or Cody Jesus. So I hate to be this guy, but I'm going to need one answer. It's one guy. Okay. I'm going with Edna. It actually is Cody Jesus. Is it? Yeah. He's it it just I guess I guess Edna stands out even more just because of his age and like when he makes the whistle, honestly, bulls at that level, a guy of his age shouldn't be able to even be competitive on him. So it blows my mind every time he makes the whistle, and I'm surprised every time he makes the whistle, and I'm happy as a clam every time he makes the whistle. So he just stands out more to me than anybody else on that team just because of his age and the way he's performing throughout the season. So I guess that's why that was the first thought that popped into my head. And the last team, the Nashville Stampede, James, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Both these guys only have six outs, but they've ridden 50% of them. Who are the two riders? Ooh. Six out and 50%. Mm. Two riders at 50%, and they're still at the bottom of the, at the bottom of the list. It ain't Kaiki, and it ain't one of those guys that we would expect. Ryan Dirt Eater hadn't been getting on enough, I don't feel like, to be in that conversation. Or getting by enough, I should say. Adriano Salgado, Baby T, as, as Justin McBride would, uh, would affectionately call him. I think he might be one of them. He seems to be one of the more consistent guys on their team as of late as to making the whistle. Maybe a 
Silvano Alves. I don't know if he's even been on five. That's correct. So you went one for two. Silvano is one of the guys. He's got six outs. He's rode three. And Matt Triplett. And Matt Triplett kind of surprised me because Matt Triplett really hasn't been back on their team all that long, but they have used him a lot. So right. I can see where that one was pretty tricky there. And he'd been traded and, and so on and so forth. So I kind of forgot that he was even on the roster there for a second. I'll tell you what, speaking of Silvano, he made a bull ride on Sunday that I'm not sure Silvano in the individual season would have made. That bull came around into his mitt, but that whole time, and you could hear McBride saying it, that bull two times stopped and acted like he was going to go back the other way. He didn't end up doing it till the very end, but I don't know if Silvano gets that one road in the individual season. I think Silvano has really benefited from this team format. I really think he has too, but also you and me, for the most part, don't really pay attention to the Challenger Series standings and stuff. But if you look at that, He's not dominating by no means, but he's a lot higher than he has been in, in years past as far as towards the top of that kind of thing and towards the top of the king of the north. Maybe maybe this is what he needs to rejuvenate himself, be asked to join a team, and maybe that'll relight the fire in him, and maybe we'll see a whole new Savano in, in, in the near future. Coop, you're the man when it comes, that I know anyway, when it comes to the arena. Now, you've watched it on TV. You've seen the arena because they've talked about it on TV, and I've noticed it a little bit. But is it is there one wall closer to, than the other ones? Because it seems like they were saying, if I'm this team, I want to be on this other team side because this bull that usually goes to the left, he's going to go to the right because he's too close to the wall or whatever have you. Is that pretty accurate? or is that? I mean, I haven't seen the arena in person. It just looks like... Um, certain uh, areas of the arena, whether you get put on one side or the other, that makes a difference. I'll let you elaborate on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It makes a difference. And uh, I've heard some things from some bull guys that I'm not going to mention here that haven't been overly positive about it. And when you see it, if you're, if you're standing in the arena in person, the biggest thing, when you got to look at a regular UTB event, there's three buck and shoots on each side. And, the PBR like never bucks out of the very front shoe closest to the arena panels, right? It's always yeah. the first two holes. So the, the reason they do that is to give them bulls all the space they need. That bull's not restricted. If he wants to do something, he can. And this is what they're talking about. So the way the shoots are sitting, they're nose to nose. So generally on the one side of the arena is all going to be right-hand delivery. So the gate's going to open a certain way. Well, now it's backwards. There's less room for him to operate, and I know I've seen it. We, even without knowing a bull's pattern necessarily, I just saw it yesterday when I watched the performance from Sunday. You can tell there's bulls that will get too close to the shoots or the fence, and they react, and they don't know what to do. So, yeah, it does make a difference, and it's the way it's built. It's the way how there's a left-hand delivery on a different side of the arena than it normally would be and being tighter and all that. And I'm going to be honest with you, from a bullfighter's perspective, I don't think I would like it that much. There's a big corner in that arena. It's not rounded very well. It's usually comes to a pretty solid corner in the middle or right on the side there where they come in and out of the arena. And I'm not a bullfighter. I'm not going to tell anybody I am, but I can tell you, you get log jammed up in one of them corners. You don't got a lot of options. Nope. 
Yeah, I noticed that too, Coop, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it since since you've helped set up at least one of these team series deals. You got any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Sure. Um, just thank everybody for listening and all your support. And if you don't learn a single thing from me, learn this, that every day is a gift from God and what you do with it quite simply and honestly, that's your gift back to him. God bless, Coop. The floor is yours, buddy. Back at you, James. And like James said, thanks for listening. We appreciate it a bunch. And if you're looking for a little bit different stuff, go over to our YouTube. We've got our full podcast episodes there, as well as some other videos that we like to do. And don't be afraid to check out Rank Ride Fantasy either. They've got some new exciting stuff coming along that I think will be really cool for all you guys. If you enjoy watching the PBR every week, you're definitely going to want to check them out. We'll link their social media and ours in the episode description below. But I think that's about it. So I'm excited to watch Freedom Fest, see what happens. And I know, James, you are as well. But until next time, you guys have a great one. Come back and visit us again from the back pins. <laughs>